Hello and welcome to With The Brand, the podcast all about digital marketing, featuring conversations with those who are leading the way on social media. I'm Sam Oliver. This podcast is brought to you by WPR. This is episode six, and today's episode is with Ollie McGrath, the senior social media editor at LBC, the radio station. They're a brand famous for visualizing radio and making it social first. And bit of a confession before we start, I feel like I went in full-on geek mode during this episode. No regrets. It's a great chat all about how the team at LBC create those killer content moments that end up on social going viral. We also tackle Facebook's algorithm and the rise and fall of Clubhouse. So get yourself comfy and let's get into it. So, Ollie, hello. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for inviting me. Um, I was just listening before we did this to your Eurovision episode, which I loved. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to, to speak about um, what I do at LBC and, um, and have a chat with you. Good stuff. Thank you for taking the time as well. Really appreciate it. So you are the senior social media editor at LBC. So what does your role involve day to day? What type of things do you do behind the scenes? So LBC is, um, uh, if, you, if you're not from the UK, it's a, a radio brand um, in the UK. We've also got a, a really big online following. Um, and our kind of mantra is leading Britain's conversation. We're allowing everyone from all voice, uh, all opinions to have a voice. Um, and my kind of role is I work between so many different teams. So there's only one social media editor at LBC. I work with our online journalists and then also our team on air um, and our video team. And I kind of, my day-to-day involves clipping up kind of viral moments from the radio to um, writing um, the best social cells for articles, designing um, article assets. It's very much, um, I would kind of call myself a dog's body. That's probably a better uh, title than that because I feel like as as social media editors or or anyone that kind of works in that field as you'll know Sam you you've become have to become multi-skilled at everything I think yeah you kind of end up doing a little bit of everything which is yeah which is quite nice a lot of multitasking I mean whoever said that men can't multitask has never met a social media manager <laughs> is what <laughs> I always say um, so something that we do on uh, with the brand with every one of our guests is ask them what the the first ever Facebook status was. It's a bit of a an icebreaker before we uh, <laughs> go into the meatiness of all the social media stuff. So have you got your first ever Facebook status for us? Yes. Good job you didn't ask me to do my like kind of 25th or something because when I was a kid, I really got into Facebook and like I never proofread anything that I posted um, and there's some horrendous thing. And I was also really into football um, quite young as a kid. And if my team lost, it would be the end of the world. Um, <laughs> but so I've just found my first one. I think this might have been when Facebook used to ask you how you were feeling or what you were doing. So my first one is actually just me um, writing Raven without the G. Um, so I don't know what nice. I was doing on the 31st of August, 2009. Um, 
And then the following one is School Monday, but instead of a Y, there's an I. Um, I didn't honour go back. Um, so I obviously <laughs> didn't want to go to school in September 2009. Clearly not. I mean, you were too busy <laughs> raving that you were just like, school's not for me. <laughs> I'm intrigued. How old would you have been at that point, roughly, oh. do you think? Um so I've probably been like 12, which I do think, I don't know whether I've gone back and deleted some Facebook statuses because I think I was on, I, even though you're not supposed to be, I think I was on Facebook before 12. Ooh. But yeah, so I think I would have been going into year eight or year nine or something like that, which who knew that year eight's rave. There you go. I mean, <laughs> leading the way, leading the way, clearly. Um, so, Ollie, give us a bit of an overview then of, of how you got to where you are today. How long have you been at LBC? So I'm coming up to, um, on the, the 4th of September, um, as my second anniversary at LBC. Because um, of coronavirus, it feels like it's been a lot longer than that. <laughs> but so my background actually comes from, um, I used to be a radio producer so I, I worked with Global LBC's parent company, um, also has brands such as Heart and, um, and Capital. And actually, Sam and I worked together um, at Capital. Um, and so I started there as an assistant producer, then began uh, doing some breakfast producing. Um, and just how, how things ended up, my role... Um, didn't exist anymore after some changes um, in the company. Um, and because I'd, I'd always been into social media, like I was always fascinated with kind of like visualizing what we were doing on air. Um, like I, I always wanted to, to bring our brand um, to prominence on social. Um, and then as a result of that, when my job ended, um, I just had a few chats about um, about kind of some social jobs within within global, and I actually went for a, a job as a social media editor for Heart, which um, is very different to where I've ended up at LBC, um, and that didn't work out. Um, I got to the final two, but it wasn't meant to be. And then just a few months later, just after I'd found out about having losing my job, um, I got an email from my now boss saying. We were really impressed with what you did a few months ago. By any chance, do you like news and politics? And and I was like, yes, I do. Like, I'm, I'm a very political person. Um, and it just went from there. Like they said, there was a job open. We had a chat and, and the process happened. And then out of nowhere, I ended up working in politics. The thing I find fascinating about LBC and, and that side of radio in general is that the past few years have just seen this absolute explosion in visual content. I guess you could say traditionally that radio was the original social medium, allowing people to connect with each other. But in the past few years, especially with Twitter, being at the forefront of video sharing as well in that realm, James O'Brien was the first person I remember, the first presenter, I should say, and his viral rants about very diverse subjects, whether it be Brexit, whether it be internal politics, anything that's gone on in Westminster, and then you just get retweet after retweet after you know, just incredible traction on those types of videos. So how does that feed into your job now? Are you still seeing the success of that? How has it evolved since you've been at, at LPC? That's a really good observation. Like, so I think the way that my my old boss used to describe it to me was um, 
if you ask a large proportion of maybe the younger part of LBC's audience where they first heard of LBC, a very big proportion is going to be, I just remember seeing this video that went viral and I just remember seeing this brand in the background, LBC. Um, and that's the same thing happened to me. I remember at university, um, I hadn't really heard of LBC before, but I remember watching the clip and I remember it vividly. Um, it was the day after the Manchester explosion um, and one of LBC's presenters, James O'Brien, just did a really impassioned, I wouldn't even call it a rant, but kind of like a monologue just a discussion um, talking about uh, what happened there. And it really hit, like, it, it was really, really emotional. And that's what LBC, it, it really sees as a, a kind of benefit. Um, and that's one thing that the company's invested very heavily in a really clever visualised studio. Um, and we've kind of developed that now, going from, um, at first with LBC, it was literally a webcam in the corner. Um, and then now it's a full um, TV studio, even to the point where now we now have a TV studio at Millbank, um, which is just outside Westminster. Um, my job is pretty much just to elevate all of LBC's content. We've got two sides to it, really. We've got a news operation, um, like an online news operation I'm talking about here. Um, and then we also have um, a content um, team as well. And we're always looking and listening to our radio station. I've always got LBC on in the background. Um, and the second we might have um, a big moment, we're all like, okay, what do we do with that? A good example we had was um, we had the Defence Secretary on, Ben Wallace, who isn't kind of like a, a big, like top draw cabinet minister. He's obviously a very senior cabinet minister, um, but he doesn't do the media that often. Um, and as the Afghan crisis um, kind of continued, he broke down on air. Um, and it was a really emotional moment where he kind of mit admitted to our breakfast presenter, Nick Ferrari, um, that not everyone will get out of Afghanistan. Um, and, and he got really emotional because he he was a soldier. He served. Um, and, and it was just a it was a really poignant moment. And so whereas some other people in our in the wider LBC team would have been thinking at, at that point, oh, wow, that's that's amazing. We immediately um, were like, okay, how do we sell that? How do we get that onto as uh, every single newspaper? How do we get that out there to other media? How do we make the most of it for ourselves? So we use um, a tool called Gravio, um, which can help you clip video and send it to loads of different places. Um, and myself and our senior content editor, EJ, we just kind of straight away were like, okay, what's the best way? What's the, mo the most emotive way that we can get that clip out there? Um, we posted it on Twitter within um, like, it was probably within five minutes of it happening, maybe 10. Um, then at the same time as I was posting it on Twitter, EJ was writing it up for the website. Um, we got that out there. We got it onto Facebook. We got it onto Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. We just, it, it was, when we have those big moments, it's all about speed for us. We want to do it, we want to do it like to a, a, the top quality we can, but we know that there are other journalists from other publications listening to LBC now. 
Um, and so we know we're a, it's like a race against time. So we get it out everywhere. And then we're like, okay, how can we refine that now? How can we put a different angle on it? How can we get that to different places? Um, and so then we look at kind of creating a Twitter moment and we've got a really good, um, I've got a really good relationship with um, the Twitter moments team um, who have been able to give us some extra distribution um, when we've got a very newsworthy thing like that. Um, and then from the online side of it, we're like, okay, can we um, get anything from, uh, could we pitch it to Apple news? Would they feature it? So it's, it's all these things of we, are always listening for that killer moment and some days we might not have we might just have loads of good moments but the the beauty with lbc is because we have such good access to politicians um we do get those brilliant moments like that it is that killer content isn't it that just absolutely flies and there must just be that light bulb moment that goes off as soon as something like that happens you're like yes that's the one Oh, it's brilliant. It's, honestly, it's the bit I live for, to be honest. I know that sounds a bit sad, but it's like we, we've had so many recently as well. Um, and yeah, it, like you say, it, it always, it just clicks in your head. Back when Dominic Cummings um, was, everyone was calling for his resignation. And the following day, Michael Gove said um, that he had also once tested his eyesight by going for a drive. And it's these moments that instantly we know if we get it out there quickly, we can lead the agenda for that day. That's fascinating. I find that whole reactiveness just so good because, I mean, I'm of the opinion that the most reactive content and the stuff that you get out there quickly reacting to a certain moment is quite often the best content that gets the most engagement that... Um, starts a conversation definitely and I'm intrigued into the dynamic as well between the social media team and the video team and the presenters especially when you have someone like a James O'Brien doing a monologue that maybe he might have scripted or, or noted down and he kind of knows roughly what he's going to say would he ever say to your teams guys I've got a really good bit coming up make sure you're filming it or would it be very much a case of you get it post or after it's happened so the key thing with our studio is we're recording 24 seven. So it, it's never that that's the beauty of this system is we can always go back and find that moment, but we do have, we have a really good relationship with our presenters. Um, and there are times where, um, where they do say that kind of thing. They might be like, I've got an idea. It's never really, it, this is going to be a killer moment. It's it's kind of almost like I've got an idea for this and we kind of get rundowns of what they, they plan to talk about. But obviously with rolling news, it can completely change. Um, but we do often get the case of, say for example, if a pre presenter just finishes their show, they might come up to us afterwards or message us and be like, there was that really great call that we had. Um, it was around this time. Um, and, and yeah, they do. They they have seen what these numbers um, and the views that you can get. So they're bought into our operation now, whereas give it a few years back, they probably weren't as bought in. But now they can see that given um, the right support to us and the right content, that it can go, absolutely fly and get millions of views. 
Um, so yeah, it, they they are very much bought into it now. Yeah, they're really in tune with it, which I guess makes makes everyone's lives easier, I guess, and gives 100%. them so much promotion. If they end up on News at Ten as well, that can only be a good thing for them too. So. <laughs> Um, obviously, the social platforms still wanting to push video content as a, as a broad thing, especially Facebook, Twitter. I don't suppose you've seen any alterations to that in the time that you've been at LBC, because I noticed that on Facebook, for example, you do a lot of article links um, without video content. How do you see the performance contrasted between those two? So I've been with LBC for two years, and I think I've seen three big moments where there's been like kind of slight algorithm changes. And I know it's slightly cliche to like, we all love to blame it on the algorithm. Um, but there's, there's been, it's weird because they, they do seem to kind of slightly um, change their view of publishers at different times. Like you saw what happened in Australia where they just were like, well, if you're going to try and charge us, we're not going to give you anything. And there was, yeah, there was the, um, some of the organizations in Australia overnight, their business model collapsed. Um, and the thing with, with all publishers like LBC, we don't put all of our video on Facebook because we, we do have targets to meet in terms of like, um, link clicks and getting people to our website. Um, but we very much, uh, are flexible in terms of what's going to get reach the most people. Um, so there are going to be times where we prioritise links, and at the moment, um, links are doing quite well with the, with us. Earlier the, on in this year, video was really performing for us, so we posted more video, um, and we tried to get um, a balance of video, photo, um, and link, but. Um, but yeah, it, it very much varies. And I'm so in the same boat with you with the Facebook algorithm and the changes because we've seen it change, I think, definitely recently. I think from March onwards, it's been a bit of a, a topsy-turvy, you know, what are they pushing? One post can do really well, another post doesn't do so well and you just don't really know what they're tinkering with in the background. But I think like a constant test and learn approach is always the the right thing to do. And it, it sounds like exactly what you guys are doing. Yeah. And and I think the for me, I have, um, and this might be a controversial opinion uh, for some, but in terms of Facebook now, I, it's such a hard platform to grow on. Um, and it, it's almost like I, I would potentially say to someone, if they didn't have a particularly um big facebook page i would kind of say what what do you want out of being on facebook as a brand because um if you want to use facebook to grow and to to get your business out there unless you're like a national scale brand it's really really difficult to do and unless you're willing to put uh, money behind it now facebook is so horrible in terms of growth that i would almost say if you don't need to be on Facebook, maybe treat your Facebook as your portfolio. So it's not, this isn't anything like LBC because obviously publishers, it's very different. Um, but I just think it's so difficult to grow now that actually people might search for you. And when they search for you, I think you should have a presence. You should have like a really nicely curated place, but realistically it's going to be hard to get that organic growth. 
Um, I did, that was just a, a random thought that I would spring on you, Sam. No, it's interesting. And I think I am in agreement with you. I think Facebook's really hard to get the traction without paid content. I yeah. think you need ads, you need campaigns that are more tactical and then boosting your organic stuff as well. Because I think if you just do paid, you just do organic, then you're going to stumble a little bit. I think you kind of almost have to have both in tandem if you have lower followers. Yeah. And and as long as your organic stuff as well and is engaging, I think we've got to a point now where I don't know about you, but when it comes to when I see paid content, I only really engage with with things that are clever like a traditional advert now it's and it's sometimes hard to to get this across to clients say for example um google um have just launched a big tiktok campaign um and they have it's for google lens that's what it's for um and they have paid um several different creators um to basically create an ad for them and it's really clever because it it does not look like an ad. Like, I don't know if you use TikTok much, Sam, but when you get those ads when you first open up, they're all very addy. It's so obvious, yeah. Yeah, whereas um, Google have been really clever, and obviously they've got the money to do it, um, but they look like normal TikToks. So I, I ended up watching all of it, then clicking on their profile and watching their other ads. Uh, for Google Lens, which I now have on my phone because it actually does, this isn't an ad. but It works. Um, it actually, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's a really difficult thing to nail. Um, and, and Facebook, is, I think Facebook is everyone's nightmare, whether you're a, a publisher with a decent following or whether you're a small business trying to get a bit of traction. It's just a nightmare for all of you. Agreed. And uh, be interesting to touch as well, given your your audio background. What do you think of the emergence of newer platforms like Clubhouse? Do you think they're a bit of a, a flash in the pan, or do you think that they have legs going forward? So I think Clubhouse itself, unfortunately for its founders, I can't see it. I can't this time next year. I I. I could just imagine us sharing an article that said Clubhouse is shut down. Um, and the prob- the reason for that is because now every platform that already has that big user base has, um, has adopted it. So Facebook Rooms are, are starting. Um, I saw my the first one when I updated my app the other day um, of someone doing it. I think it was Gary V. Um, and Twitter spaces as well. Um, I, th- I think I think it's a really clever um, thing. And it, yeah, it's very difficult to see how Clubhouse can compete now that all of the big social media companies have piled in. Yeah, they've all jumped in on it, as you say. I think when Clubhouse got released initially and it was invite only, it felt really exclusive. Um, I had a friend pass me on an invite and I was like, oh my God, this is like the best thing ever. It's social and audio. Oh my God. And then you go into a few rooms and then the novelty wears off after a little bit. And then Twitter comes along, does Twitter spaces. And then the people you already follow on Twitter are then doing the Twitter spaces. So automatically you're going to jump into them and then Clubhouse is just one of the apps on your phone now, for me anyway, that it's just at the back and just doesn't get used anymore. It, the, the bigger platforms take away that barrier of having to search and find all of your people. Um, but it, it was very interesting how Clubhouse happened. It, like you say, 
it did feel like this massive exclusive thing that, um, oh, have you heard about Clubhouse? Have you heard about Clubhouse? Oh, yeah, we have, oh, we've got that Clubhouse account. And there's there's loads of other ones. Like I remember I'm in a social media um, group on Facebook and I remember someone asking for Clubhouse invites. And then in the comments, it kind of started saying, okay, I'll trade you a Clubhouse invite for this other social media that I'd never heard of. And there's, there seems to be so many cropping up, like Bebo is coming back and you, I, someone offered me a Bebo invite. Um, and, and it's just like, it's these weird things where I, I think if they seem to be able to pop up these social media platforms, but I'm not sure any of us have stuck yet. I just think you've got so many big players now, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat even, that, and TikTok too. So that automatically you've got a handful there. How is another platform supposed to get cut through when you've got so many that are, are so popular? I mean, you could argue that Snapchat, is it on the way out? There, are, there was loads of talk about a year ago, two years ago about Snapchat dying, but I can't remember who it was. I think it was it was Kendall Jenner or one of the Kardashians or something like that. And she tweeted two or three years ago that Snapchat's dead. <laughs> and then I think it plunged about millions of pounds. Yeah, half a billion or something. Yeah. Which is crazy, but they've managed to hold strong and, and claw it back. So fair, fair play to them. I'm going to end on a very big question. Uh, which may have many answers, but I thought, you know what, let's throw it out there. In your opinion, what does the future hold for radio on social media? I think social media has and will continue to have such an important role in, in radio. Like, you've got to give people content that they really care about um, there's a, a great analogy that um, someone I work with uses. When you're posting something, you're competing with every part of someone's life. You're competing with um, their favourite band who have just announced when their album's coming out. You're competing with their friend's baby who um, has really cute pictures. Um, actually, when I do some training for our new starters, I literally have a slide has a picture of a baby looking cute even though i'm not broody in any way a cute dog doing something stupid and then a news article and i say to people what are you going to click on and even if you were the the goodiest two shoes ever you would tell me the dog or the baby so that's what we're competing against and i think i think radio is going to be around for for many many years to come and it's going to be in a large part down to what the brands do on social i think it's so crucial for for radio brands now and even tv brands the 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 the, the competition with netflix now for itv bbc you you've got to step up your game because there'll always be a new massively funded player that is coming round uh, round the block I'd agree with you I'd say even broader than that it's almost any brand if you want cut through for any brand these days have to be on social and you have to be doing it well because that's where your audience are, is all of the time whether it be in an evening in the morning on a lunch break and that, I think, is a very nice place to, to end the podcast. Ollie, thanks very much for joining us on with the brand. Thank you so much for inviting me. 
And there we have it, a great conversation with Ollie there about the inner workings of LBC and plenty more besides. If you've made it to the end of the podcast, you might as well give us a cheeky subscribe on Apple Podcasts or drop us a follow if you're listening on Spotify. And if you've enjoyed this episode or previous episodes, let us know on social too. Just search for WPR Agency. 